very curious to have a, a discussion, Gene, about, you know, Ann Richards was governor. She was a Democrat. And why this whole idea that Texas has to be Republican is, I think, crazy, especially with uh, a lot of immigration coming in as well. Well, I think our, our next guest might have a thing or two to say about that. Liz Schuler, uh, Secretary Treasurer of the AFL-CIO. Welcome. Thanks for taking time out of what I know is an extremely busy night for you. So thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for hosting this. I was just going to say I'm so happy that you and, and Diana and Elise and, and so many of my good friends are on this evening spending time together because I don't know about you, but I'm feeling extremely anxious, even though I'm feeling <laughs> good at the same time. So uh, I don't know how y'all are feeling. My, my tummy's a mess. My, I mean, I'm going to be real honest. It is. I'm, I'm, I'm having four-year flashbacks here, but, but now that you're here, I'm, I'm feeling much better. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> to introduce you. These are just a few of our more than 70 uh, labor radio and podcast shows across the country uh, represented. Uh, we actually have a fairly heavy representation of some of our Southern labor uh, podcasts. Like we just had uh, some of you might know Charlie Fleming. Oh, from, yeah. the, uh, from the Georgia was was uh, was on, uh, so we've been having an interesting conversation about uh, labor in the South. But uh, let's let's get the thirty thousand foot view uh, from you. But I know you've also spent a lot of time uh, on the ground because that's where you like to be, uh, right. wearing out that shoe leather. So, but let's let's give a big picture and then we'll get down to the to the basics. Sure, um, absolutely. And and as we know, this um, election has been different than any other in the past, uh, primarily because of the pandemic. But I think we have done an incredible job with Labor 2020 um, pivoting to the new tools, the creative tactics. Um, I know in the DMV, even the, the work that's been done uh, to assist other battleground states using our virtual dialers and um, you know, the support that's come in from, from all over the country, I think, has been one highlight, in my opinion, that, um, you know, a silver lining to the pandemic, maybe, that people are helping each other, they're there for each other, and supporting, especially those in the battleground states from other places that um, have resources. So, um, you know, I'm sure you've talked about how it's been a record early vote. Yep. It's been the most diverse electorate. Uh, in history, uh, young people, women, people of color, um, and union members, right? I think out of the hundred or so million early votes, um, three and a half million union members and householders have already voted. Wow. Um, so I think that's a real highlight. And so what I see, and I've been doing virtual campaigning and on the ground, um, is this incredible energy, incredible resilience, um, and uh, the enthusiasm that we would normally see, but just doing uh, our tactics and our, our campaign efforts in new and creative ways. And so that's been really heartening. We were just, uh, Gene Lance, who's uh, out of Dallas, uh, you know, works with the, with the state fed there, was just talking about a whole raft of local candidates there. And I was curious, um, I'll, be, I'll be honest, uh, I've kind of lost track. I knew last cycle we had a ton, a ton of labor candidates. Um, how, we, how did we do this year just in terms of fielding candidates? Because as you know, I mean, winning is great, but oftentimes it's just getting lots of people to run. Uh, do you have a sense of, of where we are across the country on that? Yes, I believe we had um, 
around 930 or so candidates on the ballot in 2020. Right. So that's exciting. Um, Certainly, uh, we have, I think, a hundred and change that have already won elections. Um, you know, either a spring general election, for instance, or, or will win tonight because it's an uncontested race. Mm-hmm. Um, we have nine states that have 30 or more union candidates on the ballot. Oh, my so I think God. That's perspective. Um, and, for example, Indiana... Um, has been running programs specifically for their union members and really putting a laser focus on it. And they fielded 17 union candidates and this is something new for them. Um, So um, I was at a socially distant rally uh, in Ohio a couple of weeks ago with, um, it was an interesting group because we turned and looked at each other and it was all women and it was all (laughs) local candidates that, you know, were running up and down the ballot for state representative for state house. And uh, there was an Ohio nurses association member um, uh, who was running for, I think it was state house, um, a teacher from the um, Cincinnati Federation of teachers running, uh, I think is running for Congress. Um, so, I mean, we have uh, union member candidates at all levels of government that are running, and I think um, historic numbers of women, uh, people of color running for these, these offices, and as Elise will tell you, um, you know, with the activities we've been doing around getting union women to run, mm-hmm. um, we have put a, a special focus on, um, you know, especially this year, uh, coming off the Women's March and other um, uprisings, women are really leading this movement and they're running for office in record numbers. Well, let me, uh, let me not hog, and I know we don't, you don't have a lot of time, so let me open it up to some of my colleagues. Evan, did you have a question? Was that, okay, go ahead. Liz, thanks for joining us. And hopefully Biden's gonna win. Hopefully we're gonna take the Senate and the House. Um, that's a big hope. Obviously, it, it may be a struggle for months to get there. But with that assumption in mind, how do we keep pushing the Democrats to support labor and have more influence than, say, Wall Street and even the neoconservatives? Well, that is going to be up to us. We say it all the time, right, that we can't let them off the hook. And Joe Biden's campaign has already shown us that he takes the labor movement extremely serious because even, you know, we don't want to focus too much on post-election yet, but the signs are really hopeful and positive that he is listening to us. He's got labor people in mind for key positions um, in the new cabinet. Um, And so I think it will be, again, we've got to be the ones to turn up the heat, turn up the pressure, make sure our grassroots machine does not stop after election day, and that we continue to engage our members on the issues, that's always the tough pivot point, right? That we get them fired up for the election and politics, politics, politics. And then sometimes it drops off when we talk about legislating or policy. Um, So I think that's a challenge for us as a labor movement is to make sure that in this new administration, right? The first thing we wanna see out of the gate is passage of the PRO Act. And, you know, to make sure that, um, you know, working people, as we know, who have been out in the streets, who've been on the front lines of this pandemic, who have had enough of this economy not working for them, uh, that those organic movements that have uh, been on fire on the, you know, front lines of these protests can translate into union membership 
by fixing our labor laws. As you know, right? <laughs> they, are, yes. they are broken. Yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> so, so passing the PRO Act out of the gate and, the, and Biden has, um, and Kamala have, have said, yes, this is a top priority. Um, certainly the HEROES Act being stalled out um, you know, on the Hill and the Senate and, and getting this pandemic under control will be the first order of business and, and having a plan. What a concept, right? Um, and getting um, all of the things that we had uh, front and center in the HEROES Act, you know, unemployment insurance extensions, health care support, um, investments in state and local governments and, and schools and our postal service, um, even our multi-employer pensions. Um, had relief in the HEROES Act. So getting all of that, you know, ready for this next administration right out of the gate will be up to us. And, and just quickly to fo follow up, the Democrats have not had a jobs program in most of my lifetime. And when the private sector is not working, how about we go to the Federal Reserve, we issue credit, build infrastructure, hire union wage jobs, rebuild the entire country, and then we bring in Half of union, I, as I understand it, uh, at least the rank and file is pro-Trump. They've been conned. So trying to bring them in, maybe it's wrong and hopefully it's yeah, wrong. I think those numbers are high, but go okay. on. <laughs> but, but to show that they are getting something from a Biden administration that right. they didn't get from an anti-labor Trump administration. That's just my piece. No, I think that's excellent. And how long have we been hearing about investing in infrastructure? And even Trump made empty promises there, didn't deliver. Uh, Biden has already pursuing uh, plans to um, make sure that infrastructure's at the top of his list. And I'm talking roads and bridges and broadband and energy infrastructure, but I've also been talking about the care economy as infrastructure, because we've seen front and center in this crisis, the impact on caregiving. You know, parents that have had to turn their uh, kitchen tables into a classroom while trying to work. Um, you know, childcare facilities that have had to lay people off. And we know that women and people of color are disproportionately working in the care sector and not only for young people, but are elderly, disabled. Um, so I think it's an often neglected and invisible part of our infrastructure in the country that we need to, you know, invest in as well. And the Biden administration will invest in that because he's already been talking about it on the campaign trail. Uh, Alan? Yeah, Liz, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I guess going back to what you were talking about, uh, turning up the heat um, for grassroots organizing and for getting more women to run for office, um, did you see like an uptick in the urgency after 2016? And do you foresee um, if Biden wins tonight moving forward, a kind of like decrease in that energy? And if so, um, like what are your plans to keep that moving, um, you know, tomorrow, January, moving forward? Wow, thank you for that question. Um, I absolutely have seen throughout this campaign, we've been seeing it build, you know, since Trump was elected. Uh, more women running, um, certainly the labor movement being seen more as a women's organization because we are um, half the workforce and we will be officially half the labor movement by 2023, I believe. So, it's about time that we, you know, put ourselves forward and show that the labor movement is a movement for working women. And so that has been building. Um, and the more women we get at the table elected into those positions, the more the issues that women care about become front and center. And 
we talk about that in the labor movement as well as uh, elected office. So we will definitely be continuing our work to engage women um, within our labor movement, uh, encourage them to run for union office, encourage them to run for level, you know, office at all levels of government. And we think that that will be um, something we look forward to and continue to invest in. Um, and I see it as only growing. I don't know about you. So Liz, I wanna, I wanna um, you know I love to talk about labor film. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, and and uh, just before you, we had Danny Schur from the Stand movie, which is coming up. And uh, folks may not necessarily remember that Liz comes out of the IBW. In fact, when uh, Danny previewed it for us, I think it was just a year ago, that seems like a million years ago, but it was actually at your screening room in the, uh, in the basement of the, um, or the lower, the lower level, the lower level, uh, where, where the amazing IBW Museum is, which we have every year in the uh, Labor Film uh, uh, Festival. But um, uh, IBW was one of the early investors in that film, and we were kind of teasing uh, Danny about what that pitch must have been like. <laughs> Right. He, he had a lot of really wonderful things to say about, about Lonnie and about the IBW really getting uh, why it was important to invest in labor culture. But I wanted to give you a chance to talk about that because I know this is near and dear to your heart as well. Absolutely. And Chris, I mean, you and I are, you know, simpatico on this. And um, we often, unfortunately, see the arts, sometimes people see it as a last priority when in fact it can be one of the most potent tools for organizing. Um, time and time again, I see some of the most creative and powerful uh, rallies and events uh, always tie together some kind of cultural element, whether it's mm -hmm. film, music, theater. Um, so, and often I will say young people get it. Um, yeah. I know, I remember one of the coolest events I went to on it was the minimum wage event um, in San Jose um, a few years back where uh, young workers in the labor movement combined forces with uh, San Jose State and um, I think it was during Halloween they did a um, like a, a walk of the living dead kind of um, event uh, and it got local news and everybody dressed up and you know most labor leaders would be like what uh, you're doing what <laughs> and but it was uh, it caught fire because people wanted to be a part of it they it was symbolic because of the minimum wage and you know the plight of working people in the Bay Area the homelessness the inability to you know make a decent living and they were able to get the community involved, not just the labor movement. So I think there's so many great examples of how we tell these powerful stories, either through film, um, you know, theater, song. Um, and so I think I wish we would do more of it. And um, you, you know, you always have me on speed dial for any kind of uh, support and event that we can do to lift that up for sure. The, the last thing, and this is just something that's close to all of us as, as the network, is that, you know, the IBW, of course, has a fabulous media department. I've, I've stolen lots of ideas from them. Uh, the AFL uh, now has a great media department. I uh, was one of the, you know, internationals, you know, level to have a podcast. And I just wanted to get your thoughts, you know, uh, these are just some of the more than 70 labor radio shows uh, and podcasts that are part of this nascent network. And, you know, we're, this is the first national broadcast that we've done, but this is something I know that you've been really visionary about. And I'm just thinking, you know, whatever happens tonight, 
it's clear that going forward to have our own platforms is really critical. And I just want to sort of get your thoughts uh, on that to this group. Well, it is so exciting too, because we can actually speak directly to audiences we normally wouldn't be able to reach mm -hmm. through other means. And, you know, for years we've lamented about the cost of, of doing business and having your own television station or your own, um, you know, radio or, or traditional broadcast channels. And I think using podcasts and other forms of media um, just give us a direct channel to the people we're trying to reach. Um, and I would love to learn more from you because we have done quite a, a battery of approaches over the years. Um, what works, what doesn't work, where we should be investing resources, um, and really looking at, uh, again, creative ways to knit this together because we do have a lot of people doing podcasts out there. Are we doing the best we can do to be coordinating our messages and aligning with each other and lifting each other's work up and, you know, in, and being more interconnected? Um, because we know that solidarity is, is our mantra, right? So shouldn't we be actually looking at this more holistically? Mm -hmm. um, or is it a thousand flowers bloom? I mean, I don't know if anyone's really done that kind of analysis to see what the most effective approach is. Well, let's go to the, uh, the he hates this, but we're, we're going to go to the other Washington out there in Washington State, uh, one of our colleagues out there. Uh, Harold, why don't you go ahead? I think you're on mute, Harold. He's, 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 a, he's an actor. He should know this. <laughs> and we're eight months into Zoom, right? <laughs> no, we're having a little technical uh, problem with, his, uh, with, your, with your audio there. But I'll follow up to one of the things while he's working on that. Um, one of the things, uh, and, and, and listen, you have me on speed dial. We are very happy. We meet every week and we'd love to have you and we can have a nuts and bolts conversation. But, you know, we have 73 shows across the country. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm lucky because I know so many here in D.C., you know, that I know either if, if I don't know them, I know who to talk to to get to folks. Uh, but, you know, for the Jacob Morrison, you know, um, who, you know, to, if we can make folks available to the Jacobs and the Jeans and the Jeremys um, right. who are working, you know, frankly, uh, with extremely limited resources. Um, and I don't want to speak for you guys. You guys should speak for yourselves. But I think that's one of the things we've talked about on our on our weekly meetings um, is, is that those kind of things would be helpful. Yes. And lifting up just this incredible talent and mm -hmm. dedication and uh, you keep us all going and keep audience, keep feeding the audience, right? Um, because we, we talk so much about how the labor movement isn't recognized and appreciated as much as it could be for the things, the work sometimes just doesn't get noticed. And part of that is using our channels more effectively and, and folks like yourself to lift up that work. I talk a lot about disaster relief, for example, um, and community services work. Um, you know, who is the first to respond during a hurricane or a tornado or a flood? It's the labor movement, right? right. We're, we're running in, not only in our work as first responders, but also with the charitable efforts that we do, raising money and rebuilding people's homes and doing food drives. Um, we've done it during the pandemic, often thanklessly. Um, and serving the community without being asked or without really, you know, looking to be recognized. We just do the work. Um, but I think more, if more people knew uh, about that, 
they would have a much more favorable opinion of the labor movement. Although we are, you know, our Gallup uh, approval rating has gone up dramatically. I know. Years, yes, so. it has. Yeah. Harold, I think, oh, he's, there he is. All right. Wonderful. Go ahead, Harold. Uh, hi, Liz. So um, I know you have a connection to the Pacific Northwest. Yes. Uh, so you understand the culture that we have out here, which is going to be very different than the culture in Jacob's area, which is going to be very different than the culture in Chris's area or Jeremy's or Gene. So one of the things that we look at here in the network is what is it that we can bring from our different areas that makes sense in our region? Something that we've been really successful with uh, in the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council with our podcast, Working to Live in Southwest Washington, is we've had a decided community focus. It's definitely produced by labor, and most of the people on the show are union members, but we're talking about general community issues. So it's the voice of labor on things like online schooling, how to deal with political intimidation in public, that sort of thing. So I wonder if there is a broad sense that the AFL-CIO can give to people who are thinking about starting their own podcast, their own radio show, about how they can speak to their communities from a labor perspective, but that still resonates in their community. Wow, that is, uh, I think, a fascinating thought as to what could we be doing at the national AFL-CIO to plug into that and be uh, of use there. And, um, you know, is it some kind of user's guide or is there some kind of toolkit that we could collaborate with you on uh, to encourage more people to get in this game, right? Because uh, communication really is uh, where it's at and we need to take advantage of it. So I would love to see, you know, what we could work together on. Yeah, I think that would be tremendous. I love um, this idea, though, of tailoring it because each community is different. Um, yeah, in Southwest Washington, I am familiar with because I grew up in Portland. Um, and, you know, just thinking about how, you know, there, there is a common thread, though, of the, the issues that we all care about, but then being able to link back to the community um, and be, you know, connected to the community issues that, that, people in your local area care about. I think that's one thing we found as our general shows have talked to each other in our weekly meetings. There are things specific to Texas, Louisville, Huntsville, Alabama, that are going to be within those communities. But like you said, there are overall threads. So I think if we could work together on some kind of guidance like that, to bring up these new communicators within the labor movement, I think that it could really flourish. I love it. I'm looking at the comments and I think somebody just posted that John Hickenlooper is, but that's been called. Yeah, and I'm so anxious to um, 
here's some of the races. Has anybody got any other new information that's been coming through? I've not been paying attention to my phone here, but. Uh, me neither. That's uh, actually, we have somebody who's uh, supposed to, Al Alan is doing that. Alan, uh, check on that. In the meantime, I think Jeremy had a question and then uh, Liz, you have been very generous with your time and Thank oh, you. we're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna tag team with Elise. That's gonna work well. <laughs> excellent, excellent. And yeah, I'm gonna jump after this question, but before I got on, they had just announced in Georgia did you hear about the pipe that burst? No, tell us. Yes, um, uh, Fulton County, which I guess has a part of Atlanta, which is gonna yeah, be yep. an area for Biden. They had gotten only 87,000 votes into their count and a pipe burst, which okay. now they say will delay the results of that key county for one to two days. Wow. So they may not be able to call Georgia at all uh, without the results of this county because of a pipe bursting and i'm thinking to myself oh my gosh I think does, does anyone union, know a union plumber union plumber thank you i got, I got <laughs> one. On, let's, right. please, i think you can you can help out here you can make a phone call <laughs> all right one last question from jeremy and then, uh, it, uh, it wasn't so much a question i just wanted to, to piggyback off of something liz had said earlier about how like when big things happen like hurricanes and floods and stuff it's unions that jump into action and something that we've been doing not like at an international level and at uh, local level with with my local uh I'm, sorry liz i'm jeremy Waugh from uh Chief metal workers local 110 in louisville kentucky um host of the break time breakdown um we've been making a very conscious step for to we we discovered that um even though we're, we're big loud construction workers we're pretty humble when it comes to things that we do we don't like to talk yeah. about our skills and and the stuff that we do so we're making a very conscious effort to be a little less humble about when we jump into action because we want people to see that we're doing things and we want them to know that we exist because if we no longer exist, some of this help that they were getting that they didn't realize they were getting goes away. So we want them to see that, you know, that like they might not know what a sheet metal worker does or what smart is, but if they keep seeing these smart army t-shirts and, and stuff like that, every time something's being done in the community, they'll start to link us to very positive, a very positive message. It is so perfectly put. So I'm glad you're being less humble. Um, <laughs> get it out there. And, and like you said, the branding and connecting um, the union, um, the colors and the, you know, the alphabet soup that we wear that doesn't make sense to anybody else. But if they see it consistently and they're like, hey, wait a second, my little league coach keeps, you know, he's part of this thing called smart or, you know, um, this person who responded and, and showed up and, and wired this person's home that had just gone through a fire or, you know, um, so I could not agree more. And I think that will be our charge going forward, especially as the Gallup poll numbers are climbing. We should be out and proud, right? That, that we're union members. We're not in hiding and um, make Amen. it known. So good work. Thank you, thank you so everyone. Much. I am so, so grateful for your platform, for the work you do, your passion, the, um, you know, we're all being very tenacious in these times because we're, no matter what, we will not give up. We will be there. That is the one thing that is ever present is the labor movement. Yes. So well done. Thanks thank for you. your time. Appreciate it. Keep up all the right. fight. Take care. Thanks. Take care. Liz Schuler, Secretary Treasurer of the AFL-CIO, and she's back. My sister, my sister, Elise Bryant, President of the Coalition of Labor Union Women, Executive Director 
of the Labor Heritage Foundation and maybe most important, I'm going to say, director of the DC Labor Chorus, right? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And, How and, are you doing, my sister? How are you feeling? Well, I'm, I'm inspired by Liz. Those, her, her final words to our song. It's, cause we'll never give up and we'll never give in and we'll never ever go away never ever we will build a mighty future for our daughters and our sons and the work of all workers rise as one where's That's my little heart emoticon where's my heart emoticon <laughs> we love where, you at least thank you thank you thank where's you. dave you missed that i know right he missed me it's all oh, right so seriously, how you feeling, sister? How you feeling? I don't know because I haven't watched the news. I've been I know. on. I know. I have no idea. All day long, calling Pennsylvania, and then they had the nerve at seven thirty say, "We're going to start calling Arizona now." It's like, "Oh hell, <laughs> oh, y'all call Arizona." I'm I'm tired of this. I'm like, hello, I voted. Get off the phone. Hi, no, she doesn't live here. Get off the phone. You know. Hey, <laughs> You have your lines that you will not cross. Pennsylvania, yes. Arizona, hails no. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I did send it to two friends who live in Arizona. I sent them the link. So where in Pennsylvania were you calling? Everywhere. Everywhere. We're calling around the state. We're doing Philadelphia. It was, you know, it was really literally all over the state. I, think, I, think. I remember one year. I can't remember what year it was. Uh, I was. I was up in the Reading, Pennsylvania area. And the thing I remember was it was like two miles between every damn house. I mean, there was no door. I don't know what this door-to-door -door shit was because it was private. <laughs> and this was before. This must have been a while ago because we didn't have no damn GPS. All right. We had maps. Uh -huh. This is you young guys don't know what I'm talking about. But these we had like actual like and not, and not the good maps either. Like the maps from the the maps from the AFL-CIO. Okay. So the maps that like. Oh, are you going to get the AAA maps? No, no, no. I'm talking about those maps where you only had like the house and the streets right around it. So if you were off of that map, you were in deep doo-doo. Okay. Yeah, it was. So you really needed some serious skills to be able to find these things. So you were lucky if you talked to like five people a night. So anyway, so how did the calls go? I, you know, I mean, you've done this, right? Everybody else, anybody else have done phone banking? Yeah, 500, 100 calls talk to five people. Yeah. Two don't want to talk to you at all. And the other three are like, oh, yeah, I voted already. This is the third call today. Yeah, okay. Uh, Harold, I know you got to jump. You got anything for Sister Elise before you jump? Well, actually, yeah, Elise. Um, something yeah. that we discovered here in Washington State, uh -huh. the other Washington, <laughs> is. <laughs> Keep saying he's really <laughs> the better looking Washington, actually. That's that's what we're saying. No it's argument. greener, it's, it's nicer. Um, because there have been so many robocalls recently, um, a lot of phone banking operations have had less success this year than in previous years. People don't want to pick up when they see a number that's unfamiliar to them, but they've been much more successful with texting. Did you guys do text banks as well as phone banks? I, I think that uh, Afnan uh, Adam, who was on the staff of the Coalition of Women and Women, told me that yesterday they did 5,000. She did 5,000 calls. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. It's, quick. it's really quick. Well, wait, wait. So, uh, so I, I've, I've not done this. So how does this work? They have this app called Hustle. Okay. 
And it's like the, it's like the, it's like the, the, you know, the automatic phone dialing. It just goes okay. to the next one and to the next one and to the next one, you know, and you, and you, you hit the button that sends the message, bam, it's gone. They can respond yes or no or whatever. And then there's an automatic response that you hit that sends it to them. I mean, you're literally done in like seconds. Oh, Jeremy, you want in? You got something on this? Yeah. Uh, so uh, Paul Pimentel, who was on earlier, he set this yeah, up yeah. through the international. We did this. Uh, we did uh, last night. We did ten thousand texts in like twenty minutes. My head is blowing up here. I, these so, numbers are crazy. Yeah, it's it's insane. Well, in in like Elise was saying, the the calls you're gonna go through, you know, a hundred calls before you get one person, but people will respond to a text. We, even if like no matter what the the whether they're gonna be nice or whatever, um, they're gonna respond to it. So. And, no, I know this is because like my son, he will not answer if I call. He loves me. I love him. But, you know, you don't know. Who, but, but if I text him, he will hit me right back. He, and, then, yeah. and so, yeah, that, that's a really good, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah a lot of people, they, they, even, if, even if it's a number they don't recognize, like if you see that, like I do it too. If it's on my phone and I don't recognize the number, I'm probably not answering it. Nope. But a text, I'll at least read it. <laughs> and just so I can get that flag off of my phone, you know what I mean? The little icon that tells me I have a message and, uh, and they respond and, and you'll, uh, you can, you can have a conversation with, with, uh, uh, you can cut, well, kind of guide it because it's, it's, there's preset responses depending on how they come back at you, you know? So you say like, you know, this is Jeremy, I'm a sheet metal worker. Uh, just wondering if you have a plan to vote. And and they'll say yes or no, and depending on what they say, you click that, and it'll give you your next response. It's all kind of canned, and you can go off script if you want, but the idea is to gain uh, the information so that it can be recorded for the future too. You know, like if I know if I message a person, I'm like, "Are you going to vote? Yes. Have you voted already? Yes. Um, did you oh, so support?" That's recorded. Well, well, the information, the responses will be yeah. Okay. So okay. so like when if they if I say, um, "Did you?" Um, did you support our recommended ticket of Biden Harris? And they say no, then we know whatever, regardless of how they're registered, we know probably how they voted, and we can kind of gauge things for for future reference. But it's 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 pretty easy, man. And and the and the text response is like when I did it, um, I was respond. I was checking every every day. I was going back in to see if I got any more responses on this on the, in the system so that I could answer them back and stuff. And I mean, one, one or two of the people I, I was going back and forth for about a week until I got to like a, a resolute point, you know what I mean? Um, so it's, it's, it's super convenient and fast and uh, you know, it's the future. Well, it's yeah, the now. Cool. I'm real excited about this. Uh, I want to go to Alan, but Harold, I know you're going to jump anything else to share before. And I know you've got a couple of guests. Um, uh, coming up uh, a little bit later on, uh, but anything that you wanted to share before you jump? Uh, yeah, um, just everybody stay calm. <laughs> what what I've seen from uh, the election reports so far is that Donald Trump is not gaining ground in places that he that he won that he didn't win in 2016. And Biden is apparently doing well in places that he was forecasted to do well. There are plenty of places like Pennsylvania, like apparently Atlanta, where the votes are not going to be counted 
all told tonight. It's going to be a multi-day thing. So as we're all glued to our phone, as we're looking at that big map with blue and red states and that sort of thing, just remember, it's probably not going to be over tonight. Take a breath. Don't do yourself in drinking too much tonight. And you know, uh, working on this. Is, that, is that that same glass from the beginning? You're, I mean, you're as, you're as light as lightweight as I am, dude. I, mean, <laughs> I, I may have poured another one. Oh, okay. All right. But, but take a breath and don't be glued to your phone. Um, also, my co-host Shannon on Working to Live in Southwest Washington should be coming onto the stream here in a little bit. So the Northwest will be represented. Good handoff, Harold. Great to see you. Hang in there, brother. Thank you, everybody. Solidarity forever. See you tomorrow, right. Harold. I believe uh, Jacob has a question for Sister Elise, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. I, um, Can you introduce I, yourself, Jacob? Because she, uh, I don't think she knows you. Sure, sure. So my name is Jacob Morrison. I am a co-host of the Valley Labor Report uh, here in uh, North Alabama, also secretary treasurer of the North Alabama Area Labor Council and a member of AFGE Local 1858. Uh, so my, my question was, I, uh, I, I've, I've, we've just started doing interviews for a show on Bolivia here uh we had the first interview uh right before we jumped on this call and uh the interview this this particular interview was with with angus mcnelly about the relationship of labor and social movements to uh the mass government down in bolivia and something that he pointed out was the fact that the labor movement was so kind of integrated into all of the social movements, the indigenous people's movements, the uh, peasants, uh, peasant unions, and uh, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, when we asked him what kind of takeaways would you have, what would you give like labor, the labor movement in America, he would say, well, you know, he said, integrate yourselves with your social movements like Black Lives Matter, like, um, you know, indigenous people's movements here in America and, and, and things like that. But he said, especially Black Lives Matter, because that seems to have the most kind of potential at the moment. Um, and so I was wondering if, uh, uh, you know, what your thoughts on, were on, you know, I noticed that you've, you've got a shirt or, or a blanket back there, Black Lives Matter on it. And I was wondering what your thoughts are on um, labor's record so far on integrating black the black lives matter movement into our movement and integrating us into the black lives matter movement and then secondly your advice or, or your thoughts about doing better moving forward um and 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 so that that's kind of what i was interested in talking about because regardless of who wins tonight like we're going to need to be out in the streets. Like Biden's not going to, you know, usher in a worker's paradise. Right. You know, <laughs> we're going to. Yeah, you just burst Elise's bubble. She was totally. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, we've all, you know, uh, everybody here has been in the labor movement longer than I have. And, 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 you know, I think that we're all kind of clear eyed on what the Biden administration is and he's a, he's a better enemy right? He's a better person to fight than, than Trump. And, and so, you know, 
in a Biden administration, hopefully, you know, knock on all available wood, we're going to have to fight him on a bunch of things. And, and the, you know, so we need to be like preparing for that. And, and the way to prepare for that, I, I think, is, is kind of, you know, allying ourselves with, with strong social movements. And so uh, I was interested in, in the group's thoughts on that, but uh, spe specifically Sister Elise. You know, it's, um, it is actually really remarkable that the AFL building, you know, a quarter of the, uh, the corner of the building is covered in the Black Lives Matter banner. And, and, if you, and if you said 20 years ago to me, or even like a year ago, that the AFL-CIO would have a banner that says Black Lives Matter on it, I would say, and the laborers, the laborers. Thank you. Right across the street, have it all over their building. And it's, it's remarkable, it is, because that's, that's a big, big, big step for them. The thing is that it's all show. And once it comes down, what's going to be the action called for? What's going to be the commitment? And that's where things get, get, get shaky. Um, one of the things I, you know, I mean, yes, Black Lives Matter. From the moment I heard it, I was into it. And when people would say to me, but don't all lives matter? And I go, yes, of course, all lives matter. But you know, all diseases matter too. But somehow they have cancer hospitals. They call them cancer hospitals. I don't know. Maybe it's because cancer is so virulent a disease that so they had to have their own specialty hospital, not to mention making money. But so yeah, Black Lives Matter because you're not, you, none of you have to sit in the car and worry about whether you're gonna have your brains blown out with your family sitting in the back seat. You're not gonna be stopped for no reason whatsoever for just being on the street. And I, you know, we won't, we won't. So I knew that that, I, I, so I, uh, I immediately aligned with it and supported it. I've talked to leaders in the, in the AFL-CIO, particularly leaders of color, to say, let's get on it. And when I am in the AFL-CIO executive council meetings, you can count the leaders of national and international unions on one hand who will speak to the issue. And so I, I think that, and this, this is, I said this before, but this is my belief is that it all, it comes up from the, from the roots. It has to come from the grassroots to make the change. The people at the top, simply cannot do it because they already bought into the structure of it. But I think we need to train and develop and identify more and more folks who have progressive ideas to run for office. Not just leave it to the people who want to be somebody, but for the people who want to do something to the opportunity. And, and, and I believe that in the labor movement, I believe that if we're going to stay with the Democratic Party, in the Democratic Party, that we can't keep allowing the same ones to keep running things over and over again. I, I think a, a particularly uh, divisive piece that's come up recently with the George Floyd and the and that that movement and Black Lives Matter in front of the the White House was the whole de defunding the police department. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the moment I heard the word defund police, I thought to myself, there are going to be people who are just going to go absolutely no, no, no. No, 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 no. We need police. We need protection. Yeah, yeah. Now we know. I know. You know that they. You know they developed the police. Another police force, armed force, to keep the working class in line. They had the working class killing the working class. You know, policing the working class, so they don't put their their hands with it. But I think that I, I, the whole concept of defund, and I thought if we just said reallocate, because that's really what it's about, right? It's really about reallocating funds into the schools, into programs, into, you know, having social workers do the kind of work that cops are sometimes called to do. That makes sense. And a lot more people can buy into that. And I think a lot more people in the labor movement can buy into reallocating the funds as opposed to 
defunding the police. Thank you for that. I think another messaging that has, is extremely popular is stop police violence. Um, and I think targeting the police in, in one way is, I, okay, the police have a, a billion dollar budget that they're talking about reallocating in New York City. So people are like squabbling for crumbs when you have Wall Street that's able to create trillions of dollars of wealth and no one's talking about Wall Street the entire time to actually rebuild and, and get tax Wall Street. Wall Street pays no sales tax. We pay sales tax when we go to the grocery store and things like that. So my set demands personally are, you know, get the money from Wall Street, get the Federal Reserve, rebuild the infrastructure and create a national jobs program that can create 40 million jobs. And, and I think you can then beat back this fascist wave. And as Frederick Douglass said, you know, power concedes nothing without a demand. And oftentimes I see people in Portland throwing stuff at a federal building and they've, these anarchists have taken over the Black Lives Movement. There's very few African-Americans in the group anymore. And it was a pretense to get um, federal troops into Portland, which almost seems like there's agent provocateurs that are supporting Trump. And one other point is that any riots that happen in the coming days, those are Trump riots. Those are Trump riots. Those are gonna benefit Trump. Those are gonna help Trump bring in federal troops. So obviously I'm pontificating, I'm on my soapbox, <laughs> but I want to ask you specifically, roll. What, what are some of your main demands going into a Biden administration? Obviously if Trump wins, we're on defense and it's a, it's a horror show and it's gonna be scary America more than anyone has ever known. But with Biden coming in, what, what are some of your top demands uh, that we can rally around? I, I think that, you know, first and foremost is, is, is organizing. Uh, of really organizing the unorganized. This whole right to work bullshit that has been perpetrated since 1947, right? When they passed the Taft-Hartley Act and said, oh no. And you know, coincidentally it happened to be mostly in the formerly slave states. Oh my God, how did that happen? You know, it's like, it's just nonsense. And the fact that there are so many people because of the pandemic, I mean, they're trying to organize at Amazon. They're trying to organize at Google. They're, we, as the Newspaper Guild, are getting all kinds of requests from nonprofits. The Southern Poverty Law Center, Southern Poverty Law Center called us and said, we want to we want to use us. And the Southern Poverty Law Center hired the worst union-busting law firm in the world to help break the union. This is like the Southern Poverty Law Center. Okay, I'm sorry. Let me come back down here. No, no, no. Well, no, no. Call, call it, well, call it, call it. And sure. I think NAACP also had some... Yeah. And the ACLU, thank you very much. Right. Lambda Legal did. They organized and now they're in the guild. And, and I, I'm not sure that that's the best place, but it's better than no union at all. But I think it says something that these nonprofit organizations who are doing good, you know, on our side and progressive need to figure out how to, how to deal with workers fairly and, and, and correctly. And with equality, so that organizing piece is it. And of course, you know, I'm just, I just think education, education. If I could take everything out of every budget that's just spent on bullshit and said, that's starting from, you know, pre-kindergarten through right through, um, I would do it. And of course I would make it all free. I mean, I think, you know, education college should be free. Just me. 
Uh, I don't think that I, I would push for it. I would push for it though. Because the thing is, is that if we don't ask, if we don't demand what we really want, they're not going to move at all. I mean, they're still pandering and catering to the same people on Wall Street that control Republicans, control the Democrats. We know that. I mean, they're, they're you know, the same people give money, the same billionaires who give money to each side. Donald Trump used to give money to the Democratic Party. I mean, you know, whatever. So, um, yeah. We have, to, we have to make sure that uh, we get the allocation of funds to the things that are really, really crucial and important. Now, I'd work for that. Alan? Um, yeah, uh, Elise, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate your presence. Um, I'm Alan Weirdak. I actually am a colleague of Ben Blake over in the Media Archive. Oh, yeah. um, my question for you is, uh, going back to what you were talking about with the police, um, I definitely agree with having Black Lives Matter put up outside the AFL-CIO building. I was surprised as well, but the first thing I thought of was Malcolm X and it's a symbolic victory. So my question to you is, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep it pretty basic. Do police belong in the labor movement? Um, as, as an institution that has a history of oppression, especially, race, especially racial oppression, mm -hmm. do police belong in the labor movement? Um, and if not, uh, what do we do about it? Yeah, I, I had this conversation with Chris Garlock and Saul Schneiderman and a taxi cab. Well, who was my, was I driving? How I wish Saul was here right now. Who was driving? The police? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I believe that everyone has a right to a union. And, but I, I know that the police have not been behaving like a union. Uh, and they've been behaving like a club. And, and so I'm, I'm, I thought about like, what, what is the intervention here? Because I know why they, I mean, it, they didn't get, the Bobbies weren't allowed to have guns because the British, who have a more greater sense of class and classism than we do in the United States, understood it was the working class killing off the working class. They said, well, the Bobbies won't have guns. Bobbies can be as, as nasty and brutal as regular cops in the United States, but they just don't have guns. Um, but also <laughs> a friend of mine who- kill you. Yeah, right. A friend of mine who, who worked in the police department, who was, who was a police officer, said to me that, um, she believes that they're, they're allowing this to go on without abating it because every lawsuit comes out of the city budget, not out of the police budget. So that, that her, her theory was what they're gonna do is they're gonna bankrupt the cities so they can privatize the police. So they become a private force, armed force in our communities. Now, I don't know, I, you know, when she told me that 10 years ago, I was like, well, that seems like pretty out there. But now I'm saying, no, no, what's it gonna be? So, so yeah, can we get rid of the guns? Uh, you know, I mean, the, the whole thing about having a standing army was, was the right to bear arms was so there wouldn't be a standing army because the king would use the army against the people, right? So they said, oh, no, 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 no. Now they have these standing armies because they'll use it against us. But you have the right to bear arms in case we have to defend ourselves. But we got, how many standing armies do we have? <laughs> in DC alone, there's like three or four, aren't there? There's oh, like the, the capital police and the, 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 the city police and the, some other police and the, the like people. 20, there, there are 24, because I used to have to get permits, right? There's like, I think uh -huh. 20, 26 different, I don't know that they're all armed, uh, at least I remember one time we were doing a demonstration at, a, at an embassy and this guy in like shorts and a little white shirt showed up and, and wanted to know who was getting arrested today. He was from like the embassy police and he didn't have yeah, no gun. Yeah, sure. But, sure. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of different agencies. 
So I think we have to do, I think we need to do, I feel like I need to do more work and study on this so that we don't end up in some other, something worse than publicly funded and at least, at least accountable to the people, even though they're not, we haven't had that as strong. And that I would push for, you know, community oversight of the police, yes. But that's just, that's just part of it. I mean, there's, there's a much larger picture here that we have to deal with. And, and I, did, I need to definitely do some studying on it. The, the last piece I want to ask you, uh, Elise, is putting on your Coalition of Labor Union uh, women hat. Uh, and I mean, Gene keeps changing hats. I can't keep track. I think he's on number four <laughs> or five. Seriously, I mean, he literally is a man of many hats. But In Texas. Uh, in Texas. Uh, you know, I'm wondering, I'm, I'm sort of the same thing that you were talking about in terms of Black Lives Matter, but I want to move that focus over uh, because we've been talking about women in the labor movement for years and years. And I'm, I'm wondering about, you know, are we making progress? What's, what's your, you know, you've, you've been in president for a couple of years now. Uh, I know, I think, let, me, let me not say, let me, let me get your hot take on it. Well, I, I learned this um, some time ago. And, it, and it, you know, it's really this kind of, I, I really, you know, being black and being a woman, like, <laughs> I'm both. I, I, had no I, I, had I have to deal with the racism, I have to deal with the sexism. But, um, but I, I think that I have seen more, I've seen more African-American men be able to advance than African-American women or white women. Hmm. Except if white women are married to somebody who's, who's upper in the echelons of the union, hmm. that, that's a different, whole different take. Um, but a lot of times we, are in the, we end up in appointed positions and not, not elected positions. If you're appointed, you can be on the international snap making all kinds of money, but you can be disappointed, right? And now you look at the unions and everybody's got the, the treasurer or the secretary treasurer is a woman in the AFL-CIO. It's like, okay, all the women step up to the secretary treasurer. Like why? Like we're better at money or something? What is, why? But you can't be president, you can't be vice president. And that still exists. And I don't think it's enough because what we found out is that you can get in the position, you get on staff at the International Union, and you start acting like the guys because that's the culture you're working in. And then you tell you change the culture, people, black people, brown people, Asian people, Native American people, women, black, you know, LGBTQ, you go in that structure and you'll start acting just like them. And so we have to change the culture to reflect what it is we say we believe in is that it's all, it's, it's for the good of the whole, you know, that, that it's you and I on, it's us collectively that makes us strong instead of being reflection, reflecting the hierarchical, you know, culture that is around us. So that we act like the business people that are out there that we're, that we're fighting and arguing with at the, at the table. And I think that that's, that's been a problem in the labor movement for a really long time of not reflecting what we believe in. We're supposed, to be a, we're supposed to be a bottom up, you know, reverse pyramid. And, you know, the president, everybody, union, everybody knows who the president is. You ask them about the average member, nobody knows. And the members don't believe it. And the members don't engage in that way because they feel like, you know, I mean, I'll be at a conference and say to somebody, uh, introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Lise Bryant. What, what union with? Uh, I work at the warehouse. No, what union do you, and it, all the time. Just they don't even know what, they, what union they belong to. And so I think that, that that piece of it is work that has to be done in order for us to become the democratic, you know, bottom up, um, bottom up, bottom down, whatever, uh, ideal that, we, that we're formed 
to believe, and I really do believe it's true, that we are stronger collectively than any one of us individually. Um, and, but the one thing I guess is an observation that I've seen is, is that, and, and this is, it's a generational thing, but I've especially noticed it with some of the, the younger, you know, sisters in the, in the movement is that mm -hmm. they do not seem inclined to put up with some of that stuff that you were just talking about. In but, terms of, um, and when, 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 uh, some of this sexist stuff comes along, you know, they're, they're like, well, why, why do I have to be secretary treasurer? You know, why can't yeah. I? Uh-huh, uh-huh. So introduce me to them, because they're not in Clue. Interesting, okay. Uh-huh, okay. uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, and then maybe that's part of it, too, then, right? Is, is the, you know, in terms of getting folks to be more uh, out there. Um, and so I, I wonder, you know, if that's, if that's part of it, right? Mm -hmm. Wow. And, 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 you know, the thing is, too, Chris, you know, when you're in that, when you're in that room with them, mm -hmm. and I've heard this from some women who were in those positions, is that you are literally alone mm -hmm. and without an ally. Mm -hmm. And so they say things that things are said at the table that are humiliating. And if you walk out, then they say you're weak and you won't get back in. So it's almost like a haze. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Wow. Okay, well, sound, it sounds to me like we're going to have to uh, to do some more shows on this subject. We got a lot more to talk about, don't we? A lot of work, a lot of work. Yes, a lot of work. That's okay. Elise, thank you. I know you've got a lot going on. I appreciate you taking time to be with us once again. for me in the next Zoom room, so. Elise, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. And on your outro, we're going to play some DC labor chorus. Yes, we are. We're going to play you out with some labor chorus. Oh, okay. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, sister. You. Appreciate it. Here we go. Okay. Oh, and we've got Steve Zeltzer from the uh, from the left coast out there. Take care, Elise. Thank you. All right. I'm gonna um, gonna roll it right now, Chris. Yeah, let's do that. I tell you what, let's go ahead and play that out, and then uh, Steve will have uh, Steve give a report at the uh, top of the next hour. So stick around, folks. More to come. At first we were alarmed, and we were horrified. Kept thinking you could never win, cause you're not qualified. We spent all so many nights, thinking how this is wrong. And we grew strong, and we refused to go alone. Cause, cause you're a hack from outer space. We have to watch you on TV with orange makeup on your face. You are the laughing stock, but we have our dignity.
keep making fun of people and their broken hearts. You spent so many years only thinking of yourself. You love to lie. But we can hold our heads up high with, with dignity. dignity. We all renew. We're not an acquiescent people and we shall not be new. Now we're digging in and we're fighting to be free. And we are mobilizing with our solidarity. Walk out the door into the streets now and onto the Senate floor. Weren't you the one who tried to rest with your life? Oh, my God.